0: Welcome to Modern Ancestral Mamas, a podcast for mamas created by mamas. We discuss ancestral food, cooking, feeding our families, and holistic living with the everyday modern mom.
1: We are Corey and Christine, two mamas on a mission to nourish our families holistically while keeping it real in today's crazy world. Follow us on this adventure and enjoy the stories and information we share. Hi, guys. Welcome back to season two of Modern Ancestral Mamas. This is Christine from Nourish the Littles. And I always forget who I am. <laughs> and I'm joined <laughs> by Corey from For Nutrients Sake. <laughs> okay, so and, we had...
0: Hold on, let me tell a story really quick. We okay. had an, an event. Um, our first... Um. Westney Price chapter um, uh, meeting this past week um, in our in my new town where I live now in Georgia and um, the chapter leader who's become a, a friend of mine asked me to join her as co-chapter leader which is awesome very exciting I'm very excited to be back in that seat um, along with her because she's wonderful and um, oh but so so we were introducing ourselves this is where I got going on this we were introducing ourselves at the meeting and somebody was like wait what is your Instagram account Corey and I was like it's for nutrients sake you know like ah for nutrients sake and then <laughs> and everybody's like oh, okay <laughs> and I was like I don't know I thought it was a great name at one point um I still really like it just for the record but that, like that's it. where it comes from it's not as like peaceful as yours yours is really peaceful mine's like <gasps> ah
1: no, and actually, when I think of yours, I, I have to like really think about it because it's sometimes I feel like it can be like a tongue twister.
0: I know. I, I know. should, I you know, I kind of thought of that as I was making it, and I probably shouldn't have done that because, you know, that's like capital social media, whatever. You're, it's supposed to be easy to say, but here we are. So there's no going back now.
1: No Anyway, worries.
0: we are on... <laughs> What are we on, Christine? I messed you up. So we're no, on it's okay. Season two,
1: season two, episode six, and this is the December FAQ episode. So basically, we are going to be answering all of your burning questions on this episode that you shared or asked us on Instagram, and this is actually the last episode of twenty twenty two. So there's going to be a break for the holidays. Both Corey and I are going to spend time with our families and enjoy the season. And we are going to be back in January. And let me tell you guys, we're so excited for the upcoming episodes in January. It's going to be really good. So, yeah. Just stay tuned. Um. But yeah. Okay, Corey.
0: All right. So normally, you guys know that we start each episode. Um, with a question that pertains to the episode to kind of get us going. Um, But since today is our FAQ episode, it is all questions. Um, We're going to skip that part and just dive in. So Christine, you kind of organized our questions, right?
1: Yeah. So basically, we took all of your questions and we categorized them. And these are the categories. So we've got some kitchen slash cooking related questions. We have questions on parenting and homeschooling. We have questions on nutrition and health, and then miscellaneous. And we're going to try and get through all of them tonight or whenever in this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and yes, tonight, Corey and I record at night, um, (laughs) children go to bed. (laughs) Great. Um, but yeah, if we don't manage to make it through all of them, then we will either turn them these questions into entire episodes or do a part two. Yep.
0: All right. So, so let's go. Kitchen and cooking related questions. Question number one is, how much time do you spend in the kitchen making three healthy meals for your family?
1: It's actually a really good question.
0: I have no idea, honestly. Um, because it's not necessarily all at once, you know, because if you were to, you were to calculate it, I mean, I'm, you know, you're probably doing the same thing, but like you're making bone broth regularly, which is not something that you're making for one specific meal, but it does take time. Um, I'm making bread multiple times a week. Um, But I don't feel like I spend my whole life in my kitchen. Maybe I feel like I spend my whole life doing dishes, but (laughs) I enjoy cooking a lot. Amen to that. (laughs) To the dishes. Um, I enjoy cooking a lot and I don't necessarily... It does feel like a chore sometimes. I'm not going to lie. But when it starts to feel like it's too much, I usually tell my husband it's his turn to grill something for dinner.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, usually I... I tell the husband, okay, Saturdays and Sundays are for you because I don't have the mental capacity. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm not sure I've ever actually calculated a specific time. I want to say the mornings are pretty quick and easy. Like, and that's the other thing. I'm not sure if this person is asking, are they, do they want to know the time, the cooking time plus cleanup time? Because... If that is true, if that's part of the question, then honestly, it's probably 45 minutes to an hour for breakfast. And I would say the same, maybe a little bit longer for dinner. Um, just because you're cooking, then you're cleaning up, you're picking up the dishes, you're loading the dishwasher, you're doing any dishes. Um, at night, for me, I like to like wipe down the countertops, wipe down the table, sweep the floor. <laughs> yeah. um, so... I would say between breakfast and dinner, breakfast is like maybe an hour or less, and dinner is definitely a minimum of like forty-five minutes for prepping. Sometimes an hour, depending on how elaborate or energized I feel. Um, I shouldn't say energized; maybe like motivated. Yeah. Uh, and and then there's the cleanup afterwards. And lunch for me, I'm not sure about you, but lunch for me is, we've talked about this before, it's usually leftovers. So it's like pretty, lunch is like maybe 20 minutes, um, just like heating something up, if that. But I I actually think that this is where things like, so Corey talks a lot about freezer meals. So having food pre-prepped in the freezer, I talk about meal schedules. So I know that For example, on, like, Thursdays, we have baked sweet potatoes and sausage for breakfast. And so the night before, I am putting the sweet potato on the baking dish. I'm programming the oven so the oven goes off at a certain time. Whoa. This is game changer. Keep talking. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, I don't know. I learned this in this house. I didn't realize that you could do this. I probably, my, my previous ovens probably had the capability to do this, but I didn't know you could do this. So you can pre-program your oven to go off at a certain time and to finish cooking at a certain time. And so like usually, and it's early, you know, so in the mornings, my oven is going off at like maybe 545, six in the morning to cook the sweet potatoes. And they're cooking for like a full 45 to 50 minutes. And then by like 645 or 7 a.m., they're done. And I'm usually waking up at like six thirty and then I'm just popping the sausage in the oven as well. And everything is cooking in the oven. And like that's a pretty hands off meal for me. You know what I mean? Like there's I pull it out, I add butter to it, and like that's it. <laughs> um, so there's some instances like that where it's just easy. But that's because, you know, you have a routine and Right um I mean that's similar
0: with what I do with the um with because you can do you can I know you don't have an instant pot Christine but you can do um you can program that to to like delay cook so that's how I do that's
1: exactly what the oven is it's a it's a delay cook I don't think my oven does that
0: I feel like you have a fancy oven
1: if your oven has a stop time (laughs) and a start time then yes your oven can do that
0: yeah, I don't think mine does. But my oven is also like we've got to get a new oven because one of my burners is just does is, is a it's a excuse me it's a wreck. Um, like it'll be burning something or it'll take oh, me no. three hours to boil water. Like I don't oh, even no. know. So I only have one like big burner and then I have two little burners that are reliable. Um, anyway, that's a whole side note. But my instant pot <laughs> has a delay feature and that's how i do soaked oatmeal um so i put it in the night before it soaks the night before and i you know put on a timer for eight or nine hours or whatever so that when i wake up it's all done and cooked and all i have to do is open it and add whatever things we're adding to oatmeal
1: there you go that's yeah that
0: that things like that i think make a really big difference and um I also think it's really good, like, when I'm doing meal planning, I look at my calendar and figure out what that week is going to be, you know, a big deal. So, like, if we have a sports event or if we have something that we're going to be out for the day, then I plan some crockpot meal for that day so that, you know, when I, when we come back at night, I'm not like, oh, my gosh, now I have to scramble and make food. For sure. Um I don't know. So, the interesting thing about this particular question um, is to me is that it's not just cooking, right? Like we said, there's cleaning and stuff. And, but the other thing is, is that there's also a lot of time spent on meal planning, meal prepping, um, making a list for shopping, shopping. Um, but if you do all of those things kind of as a routine, then it's not as bad. I do think it took me a while to kind of learn what worked for my family, and it shifts, you know, as your kids grow and things are um, different in the world or in your life. But um, yeah, I think I think you kind of have to just fall in fall into wherever your routine works, however your routine works.
1: All right. So question number two is tips for those living in apartments where you don't have space for a deep freezer, gardening, etc. This is a really good question. Yeah. Because both Corey and I, both Corey and I lived in previously like really small spaces. So <laughs> have ideas.
0: Yeah. So I had, um, when, when Ryan and I were, I guess we had two kids and we moved into this tiny little apartment and my kitchen was, like, so I record from a closet, you guys. My kitchen was, like, <laughs> the size of this closet that I'm sitting in. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, like, it was so small. And I had my washer and dryer were in my kitchen. And yep. um, I used part of my, uh, like, the washer top um, mm-hmm. as part of my counter space. I didn't yep. have a... a um. washing machine or dishwasher. Um, So I had to have counter space to dry dishes. And um, I like got super creative and I went and bought um, like these wall organizer things where I could hang as like use as much wall space as possible. And um, like I had things hanging on the walls and just to, make sure i had enough room and that that kitchen is actually where i learned how to cook real food and at one point um i did this like little i wish i still had it i don't i don't know what happened to the video but i did this little tour where i like held my iphone you know first generation or something (laughs) like early early iphone and like did this little you know turn around my kitchen and I literally could just stand in the middle of my kitchen and turn around and you could see the whole thing. And it was so little. And I had, I'm not even kidding. I had maybe like two feet of countertop space and that was it for the whole kitchen. Um, Thankfully I did have full size appliances, but other than that. um, And then I had, I had a little garden ish on my tiny little balcony and in my window in my kitchen, I had, Um, I made these like pots that I hung from the, um, from the window frame that I grew herbs in. Um, and, oh, and this person asked about like storage and stuff. Honestly, I had, um, food storage in my master bedroom closet because I had room in there. Um, when I lived in that little apartment and I had my Thankfully, my mom had a um, deep freezer and so mm. she I could keep stuff at her house and then I would just go to her house, you know, every couple of weeks and, and get, you know, we would buy, I, um, half a cow from my cousins and half a pig from my cousins. And then my mom would store it at her house. So I don't know. My tips are to like, get really creative. Um, and I mean, I was like, I had my dehydrator and my um, crock pot. I would like plug them in, in the living room. We didn't even have a dining room table in this place. Like it was so small. My kids ate off this folding table um, that was like, you know, a couple feet off the floor. It wasn't a full size folding table. They would sit on the floor. I would fold out the table and they would sit on the floor around this little folding table. And I would either sit on the floor with them or Ryan and I would sit on the couch and eat. Like it was such a small apartment and I'm this is where I learned how to actually cook. So yeah. it's doable, but you do have to get really creative.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I hear you on the using other closets in the space for like pantry space and stuff. I've I mean I've done that in the past and I've even seen that in other people's places where if they have a really small space and there is like not enough in space in the pantry or in the kitchen, they'll take like another bedroom's closet and put up some shelves and maybe like that's where they're putting some pantry items or kitchen utensil items. Um, I've also done in the past, like those, if you have the space, those little carts, the, um, like the kitchen carts, you mm-hmm. can do stuff on the kitchen carts. And the good thing is the kitchen, the kitchen carts can double as countertop space for um, cutting and things like that. I, oh, um, I actually don't think there's anything wrong. If you have enough space in your apartment, just having the deep freezer in your apartment, um, because there's there's like pretty decent sized deep freezers. You could get a five cubic, which is really small, uh, seven or 10, even a 10 cubic. I have a, I had a friend, I have a friend who had a 10 cubic in her apartment and it would just, you know, every once in a while it would double as like a space to put papers on or a space to like lay, lay out maybe dishes, uh, with a towel to like dry. Um, like it's not pretty obviously, but at the same time it's so functional and like you know, put a couple could, of houseplants
0: on it. You'll be fine.
1: Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, you could, you could still, you can do that. And then, depending on where you live, if you live in a really cold climate, another option, which I've done this before in Chicago, is in the winter time, which is like all the time in Chicago. It's literally like nine months out of the year. You could put a cooler out on if you had like a small patio or balcony. Which when I lived in Chicago, I had both a small. I had a balcony on the twenty fourth floor. And I had like a small outdoor space and I would put a cooler out there and I would just any extra food I would put in the cooler. And because it was always cold, it didn't matter. It was just like frozen constantly. Um,
0: we would do that in Maryland too. Yeah. Like if my mom had leftovers from dinner and it was like, there's no room in the fridge.
1: She'd be like, well, just stick the pot outside. Yeah, no, <laughs> totally. I mean, you can definitely do that um, depending on where you live. Cannot do that in Texas, and you cannot do that in Georgia. No. Nope. So, <laughs> um, oh, and then the yeah, this person was also asking about gardening, and okay, so two thoughts about gardening. Number one, you can one hundred percent garden inside of your house with just pots. I have you can this friend, also
0: do um, composting. You can get like those worm composting bins. Like I have friends that did that oh, in yeah. their apartments. I didn't, but I know people who did. It's totally doable. Okay, so you have a friend.
1: Well, so I have a friend in Chicago who I want to say she's maybe in, like, a 1,500-square-foot apartment or something, and her entire living room and her bedroom is, like, it's like a greenhouse. It's insane. They're in a high-rise, so they have views, like, beautiful views of the lake, but they also have great sunlight. And I'm telling you guys, she's growing things, like, Lemons, limes, oranges. Um, I wow. mean, I mean, she's actually grown. Um, what else is she- has she grown? Dragon fruit. Um, she doesn't have kids, does she? Yeah, she does. She has three kids. Really? Yeah, she's grown everything. <laughs> One baby and like a six-year-old and a four-year-old. But wow. she's like a hardcore gardener, and I-, I mean, it's incredible when you go into their space and like you see all the. Um, all the plants so you can garden inside. And then the other thought about that is you could find a community garden. There's actually yeah. community gardens everywhere. It's there. It's fairly easy to find one. And if you can't find one, you could always start one, but the community garden is basically a public plot and people garden whatever they want on there and you go and take care of it and you can harvest from it what you want um, if you live in an urban area, community gardens are pretty, well,
0: apartment. you can also get an allotment, you know, which is, yeah, is kind of like renting a space in a, it's not a community garden because it's not, you know, you're in charge of your space. Um, but it's, it's similar. It's a similar idea. Yeah. Um, I yeah. also know farmers, who um will allow you to come and kind of work their farm with them and um you know then then you're kind of part of of their farm and they'll let you take things home um you some some sometimes they will sometimes farmers will be into that sometimes they're not into that idea but I've, I've definitely heard of people doing that as
1: well. Yeah, that is such a good idea because then, especially if you have a family with kids, they're seeing where their food is coming from. You're getting out of whatever area you're living in and you're going to the country. You're getting your hands dirty. You're feeling, you know, breathing fresh air. I mean, I, that's like such a good idea. And then the last one I was just going to say about gardening is there's tower gardens, Again, if you have a balcony or if you have a small green space, it's like big pots and then there's um, smaller pots within it and you can just like plant small little herbs or even some, uh, I don't know. I think mostly they're herbs, but you could probably plant other things too. Yeah. Um, but probably yeah, like it's just tower gardens. Things. Yeah, greens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just tower gardens. So they're, they tend to be like thin and narrow uh for small spaces and they go up. Yeah. And that can be inside or outside.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think that's like another, you just gotta get creative. Yeah. For sure. All right, cool. Hopefully we covered that one. Um, Okay, so we're gonna move on to the parenting and homeschooling type questions. Um one was um the first one that we have is what Is the kind way (laughs) to deal with all the kids' art projects, and um, this one made me laugh. (laughs) I really want to. Yeah, I'm I'm curious because my kids have a ton of art projects. Like my my kids will, you know, just make all sorts of things, and then I'm just like, "This is so beautiful. Now, what do we do
1: with it?" Because my refrigerator's full. Oh, maybe that's what this person meant by that. Oh.
0: I don't know. Maybe I, there's another meaning I, to it. Yeah, another way I, to interpret
1: it. Yeah, when I first read it, I interpreted it a completely different way. Of My interpretation was, how do you manage the mess? And now that you're reading it and you're talking about it, I'm wondering if the interpretation is, what do you do with all of the art? <laughs> Okay, let's answer your way first. Um, okay, so my right. So what do you do with the mess? Well, one idea is to have something called something like an art tray basically, so it's kind of like Yeah, it's just like a tray and which actually this is a very Waldorf thing to do, but and all of the art supplies and the paper and the project goes on this tray. And this tray belongs to child X. Okay. And they, once they're finished with said art project, then you, they're cleaning everything up. They're putting it back on the tray. And then the tray is being put away either in a closet or maybe under a couch, if you have a small space or, you know, on, I don't know, on a shelf, like something like that. Um, but basically, the tray is what holds all of the art project supplies and the project itself. Um, so that—that's so what I thought that they were talking about. Was like how like do you manage mid, the mess?
0: mid project, like if it's not finished. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, totally. If it's okay. not finished, everything goes onto the tray, and then okay. you can like pull it out at another time and work on it again when you want. That's one. And it doesn't have to be a tray. It could be like, maybe it's a small box. Like, it, you know, it could be an Amazon box that you've repurposed. Um, yeah, so yeah. I like this. So then it's, you're not, you're not telling your kid,
0: no, we're putting it away. And then like it, that finalizes it. Right. Like, cause if you tell your kid, no, 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 we're done. We have to get ready for dinner. We're putting this away. That that's a, a very, f- um, it's a solid ending point, And the kid may not be there with you, right? Like they may have a different um, view of, of the time that it's going to take them to finish this project or um, where they're at in the project.
1: Yeah. I'm so glad that you brought that up because I, I wanted to actually talk a little bit about that, of this idea of like transitioning from a project that kids are working on. And a lot of times as adults, we think I I don't think that we intentionally think what our kid is doing is not important, but for us we're like, okay, dinner's on the table. We need to eat or we need to walk out the door to run whatever errand or, you know, like we have agendas in mind and we don't stop to think that actually this child is like really concentrated. They are, you know, working on something very important for them. And if, and in the reverse, if, one of us, an adult, was working on an email on the computer or, you know, on a Zoom call or something like that, we wouldn't barge in and be like, okay, time for dinner. Okay, go put your shoes on. It's time to walk out the door sort of thing. Like that's, you know, as an adult, we would be very put off by that. And so I like to think of, okay, transitions can be a little harder, especially the younger the child. And so just sort of coming alongside the child and asking them first, like connecting with them first about what they're doing and the connection could literally take 30 seconds. It could be, oh my gosh, you know, tell me about your project. What are you working on? What uh, what are you using for this art project? What colors are you using? You know, just like, I want to hear about it. Letting the child talk about it for a little bit and then saying, hey honey, um, you know, are you at a stopping point right now because it, it dinner's on the table and you know, I really want to eat with you and either working with them to put everything into their tray or their box or um, sort of just giving them that heads up of, all right, in like a few minutes, we're going to sit down at the table. Um, so this obviously works well for older kids. I want to say like maybe three and up or four and up for those younger kids. I don't really know how long they're working on art projects, but yeah, know. No. It's, it's more of like, you know. Let's let's clean up together. Do you want to put away the red marker or do you want to put away the blue marker? Um that kind of thing. We Those got these
0: thoughts. um timers that have um like when you when you turn the timer to turn it on, it has kind of like a highlight thing that goes along with the timer. And so then oh. when when the timer is counting down, you it's it's visual so you can see oh, yeah, yeah. the highlighter kind of turning back down as it's counting down. Um, those have been really helpful for all sorts of things, you know, because then it's, there's, you can say, okay, well, we're going to set this timer for five minutes and you turn the, you turn the knob and it, it shows, um, the five minutes and then it shows it counting down. And, um, you know, that it really has been, it's been helpful for like, okay, you have to practice, you know, your handwriting for 15 minutes or whatever or school stuff but also for that kind of thing where I'm like okay you have you know five more minutes of this game or whatever and then we're we have to go um I'm not I don't always remember to use them but when I do they're really helpful
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah the timer is totally another op- uh, option Corey okay, so, yeah what's your interpretation of this question
0: uh, yeah my interpretation was like what do you do with all of the projects when they are finished? You Mm -hmm. know, you have all of these special things and, um, you know, that are, are, have been created by your child and they are very attached to them. And, but you literally can't keep them all right. It's just not, it's not possible. Yeah.
1: Yeah, So like,
0: what's the nice parenting way to handle that?
1: Do you, I mean, do you have an idea or? No. (laughs) Oh, okay. I don't. So I'll I'll tell you what we do actually. Um, Okay. So in the like drawing corner where they have their paper and their coloring books and, you know, all of their art supplies, there's also like a a drawer box thing. Okay. And it has, I want to say like four or five drawers in it. And one drawer is for blank paper. One drawer is labeled for my eight-year-old. One drawer is labeled for my six-year-old. And the other drawer has like stickers or I don't know, a few other things. Um, And periodically, maybe every month or two months, I say, okay, we're going to go through your art drawer. Is there anything that you can recycle? And I want you to go through every piece of paper. And they go, and they're actually really good at it. And they go through every single piece of paper and sometimes it's like one piece of paper that they want to recycle. And sometimes it's like 10 and, and then they say, okay, you know, I'm finished with these. I can recycle these. And so they'll recycle those. Um, and, and then that makes space for upcoming artwork. Something else that I do is when I see that it's getting really full, I will, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes if you ever have to mail a check I will take a piece of artwork from the drawer, and I will fold the check into that artwork and put it in the envelope and mail it. And so, I don't know. The roofing company is getting a random drawing for my child, and the you know (laughs) gardener is getting a random drawing from my eight-year-old. But at least you know. But do your kids care? Um, I usually go to the bottom of the pile. (laughs) You know, not the top. The older ones, the older projects. exactly the older project for sure um but this goes back to the idea of a box because like my kids also each have a junk drawer so there is a junk drawer that's just for them and they can put whatever they want in there and man is that a junk drawer as it's like i get so triggered just looking at it because it's literally junk and i'm like okay when the junk drawer is full you're gonna have to start getting rid of junk like i'm sorry (laughs) where do they have this
0: like in your kitchen like a right like a
1: in the no there's like a toy um it's like an ikea shelf thing and i bought it with to have drawers as well and it's in the playroom and okay. so they will just you know that is their junk drawer put whatever they want in there that's
0: a that's yeah. a good idea i, I um, i'm i feel a little triggered just talking about it
1: <laughs> i know like it, i because the things that are in there, I'm oh. just like, I cannot believe that you are saving this. Right? Like, this is a very special paperclip. What? Totally. Yes. Yes. I know. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh,
0: man. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Okay. So, I did actually, when you were talking about that, I did realize that we have every school year, um, we have these binders. They get a new binder, they get to like go pick it out at the store. Um, And they put art art projects in those. Sometimes, sometimes they don't fit. My kids do a lot of like not paper art projects, but um, a lot of times they'll put stuff in there. And then at the end of the school year, we'll go through them and say, okay, you know, it's time to kind of archive our binders. What do you want to keep in it? And generally, I mean, we'll keep like, A couple of school things that are kind of good that they worked on, you know, like here's a paper that I worked really hard on or um, my kids don't have tests, but you could do that where you'd be like, you know, this is a test I got an A on or something. Um, And then I, I keep all that and I label it, you know, like, kid number one, um, grade five school year 2022 to 2023. Um, Yeah. And then we just put it in the attic. Um, and then I guess at some point I'll be like, Well, wow, you graduated high school. Here's your whole stack of binders. Now they get to go live with you in your tiny <laughs> apartment. <laughs>
1: yeah. Totally. It's like it's like their portfolio almost. Right. Of, you know. How many how many years of the I don't know, eighteen years or not eighteen years, but you know. Twelve. 12. twelve. Thank you. Twelve. Okay. You're twelve welcome. twelve years worth of work. Um <laughs> that's funny. But Yeah, actually, I think those are two really good answers to that question. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. Next, how do you organize your day with homeschooling and getting tasks done and making dinner? And (sighs) guys, today probably is not the best day to ask me this question. (laughs) (laughs) Like midday today, I was like, what am I doing with my life? I can't handle all of this like my kids had done an, a collage art project like the dining Speaking room of our table projects. i'm telling you it was a mess okay and then they had also gone out um and played outside We're, you know obviously that's fantastic but they tracked so much sand and dirt in from outside and i'm like oh my gosh i'm never gonna get my floors clean but like dishes were so piled up from, from, from lunch and breakfast because I hadn't gotten to them. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to have a clean house. And I'm my, might... <laughs> I was having a real pity party at about one o'clock today.
1: <laughs> this is when we need to remember Christina Schindler's wise words of, you know, don't sweep your kitchen, don't mop your kitchen floors. Like those <laughs> things don't matter.
0: Yeah, except today, <laughs> there was, like, cheese on the floor and chip crumbs on the floor. And, like, because <laughs> I had made, like, a chicken tortilla soup for lunch. And so they had, like, crunched up the chips, which had then gotten crunched up chips all over the floor. And <laughs> it was a mess. Um, and then the other thing is, is I, like, totally dropped the ball on signing my kid up for basketball and... He, and I missed the deadline and he was super upset about it. So let me just like blanket statement here. Say that I do not have everything together and I am not doing all the things.
1: Except posting on Instagram. <laughs> I, I totally had to just do that as a joke. I mean, you know. Yeah.
0: Well, if you notice today, I posted a picture of my very full dishwasher. And say something like this was my third load of the day or
1: something. (laughs) For sure. Oh, my gosh. It's it's on those days that I wish I had like two dishwashers or three dishwashers. (laughs) Oh, my
0: gosh. I know. I remember somebody telling me that when they had built their house, they put in two dishwashers. And I was like, that seems crazy. And now that I have four children, I'm like, that's brilliant. Also, I need two washers and dryers. So somebody could make that happen. Um, (laughs) Okay. Here's my, here's my actual real life tip though. Aside from not expecting to be able to get it all done. um, You've, especially if you're homeschooling, you have to enroll your family in all the things. Okay. Like um, I, my kids um, helped me clean the house today. And they helped me clean the house almost every day. Okay. So we sat down and we did our collage project together and we ate lunch together and everything. And then they helped clean it up because I cannot do it all by myself. And they don't love it, but, you know, we have these conversations about how, um, you know, families work together, families support each other and families um, have to, especially, you know, families that have, no, not especially all families have to do that. Like, it's just, you just have to, you cannot, as, as a mother, um, you know, you can't do it all. You just can't. Um, and you've got to be able to enroll your family, whether it's your spouse or your kids or, um, your mom, like my mom took one of my kids this week, not because I needed a break from my kid, but because, um, you know, she just wanted to be helpful. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, I don't know. What about you? What do you? Because you you don't homeschool, but you do have a um, toddler at home, yeah. And you have, um, you know, your, your nutrition business, and you. Um your husband goes on a lot of business trips and you're alone for like week a week yeah. at a time.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Multiple Actually, times a month. Of... <laughs> I know, yeah. He was in Copenhagen this whole week. So um I okay, so I talk a lot about a meal schedule, but I really feel like the meal schedule helps organize me. And I know exactly what we're eating for breakfast every morning. And so I know what I need to do the night before to prepare for that. And um, what else? I actually think that if you have the ability to make a dinner in the morning, if you're someone who stays at home, maybe you work from home or maybe you just stay at home with your kids and you can make dinner in the morning. That is a huge help, especially if you have a young baby. If you're a new mom with an infant and usually the mornings are better than the afternoons and the evenings when it's the witching hours and you have an hour when baby is napping or, you know, something like that, just make dinner in the morning and then you can reheat it. It doesn't matter that you're making meatballs at 9 a.m. Just do it. And but to be able to do that, actually, you do have to be a tiny bit organized and know that, all right, if I'm going to make meatballs at 9 a.m., I need to have that meat already defrosted. Yeah. So the other reason why I have the meal schedule is so that I know, okay, I'm pulling out the bacon for breakfast and I'm pulling out the ground beef for dinner. Um, and th- this way, you've, you're one step ahead And it's not 4 o'clock, and you're like, shoot, I don't know what I'm making for dinner, and nothing's defrosted. But I guess people who have Instapots, that's where Instapots come in, Um, right? I know that you can put frozen meat in an Instapot, Mm -hmm. and it cooks
0: or something. Yeah, I don't really do it. It doesn't turn out as good. Oh, okay. I mean, I'll do it if it's like an emergency situation, but it's still – it's not going to be – like, don't go putting a whole frozen chicken in your instant pot and thinking, "Oh, it'll be done in twenty minutes." No, 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 that's not gonna oh, okay.
1: happen. Okay. Um, I mean, this is kind of off subject, but if you're, if you're really desperate, just make eggs.
0: <laughs> make eggs yeah, for, for dinner, real. guys.
1: There's nothing wrong with eggs and yogurt or eggs and fruit for dinner.
0: Yep. No, hundred um, percent. The other night we did the, We did that. I was. I was like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know what happened to the day, but it just totally got away from me. And I told my husband, I was like, oh my gosh, like it's six o'clock. I have to make dinner. And he's like, well, what are you going to make? I'm like, I don't have anything thawed. And then I realized I had some sausage patties that I'd already cooked for mm. for something else. Um, and I had bread and I had cheese and I had eggs. And I was like, done. Breakfast sandwiches were, were good.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. So that's that question. Um, anything else or do you, should we move on to the next one?
0: Yeah, I think we're good.
1: Okay. So the next question, this is a fun one. It's, did you bed share? And if so, how did you transition to own, to baby in a bed or a crib or, yeah. To, so um, both you and I have, yeah, we, we have interesting perspectives on this.
0: We have different, different experiences on this one. Totally. Um, Yeah. So we have bed shared with all of our babies. um, And currently I still have a two and a half year old in my bed. So (laughs) um, in the beginning, when we had a a tiny infant, we have a sidecar, a sidecar um, co-sleeper that they would sleep in. And then um, when they were out of a swaddle, we transitioned them to the um, center of our bed. Please nobody come at me with like, you know, you're going to smother the baby or whatever. Um, There are definitely ways that you can do bed sharing safely. Um, Do your research and know if you're comfortable with that or not.
1: That's, you know, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, if it feels right to you, do it. If not, don't do it. Right. We're not medical professionals. Do not, no.
0: please don't come at Do me. not
1: take, yeah. Don't, don't take our advice for us. Right.
0: Do your yeah. own research. Um, that's like my mantra. Uh, okay. But after th- that, at some point, you know, there was like two ch- kids in our bed at a time. Um, At another point, I had a twin mattress that I shoved up against the wall in between my bed and the wall. So it was like my king-size mattress and then a twin mattress. And um, my kids would sleep in that. And then currently we have, so we have the two-year-old in our bed with us. And then we have two um, crib-sized mattresses that are stuffed under our bed. And anytime a kid has a bad dream or something. They are allowed to pull the mattress out and sleep there for the night. Um, however, the older kids are told they always have to start the night in their own beds.
1: That's a good idea. Yeah. Just the mattress on the floor. Yeah.
0: A lot of times I end up having to like lean over the side of the bed and hold their
1: hands or something.
0: Yeah. Um, or I'll lay down with them on the floor and then they know that, you know, I'm right right there. But... Yeah. um uh I don't know. I honestly transitioning a kid out of your bed is super hard. At least mm. as a toddler. Um I tried to do it. I I tried to be the mom who had a baby in a bed when I was like trying to be a conventional mom with my first kid. Um and then I realized that I really wasn't a conventional mom and I'm like actually a crunchy hippie mom. Um, <laughs> so once I embraced that all the children were in my bed. But, um, honestly, like it was so hard cause he was like, he, my first kid would not sleep without me. Like he just would not. And we couldn't get him to sleep in the crib. So then we finally kind of like, finally just said, screw it. He can sleep with us. And by the time we transitioned, I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't even remember. I think my husband has pretty much taken on the responsibility of transitioning our kids into their own beds and he kind of starts with like laying with them and like stroking their backs or their hair or whatever and then um it's like I think he slowly kind of moves his way out of the room but yeah but do you
1: remember the age because I think that's what...
0: oh um probably around three three and a half, maybe four. Between okay. three and four is when they definitely were in their own beds. Yeah. At least starting the night in their own beds for a very, very, very long time. Um, the older two would end up in our room every night.
1: Yeah. Totally. I
0: mean, I think probably until they're like six or something. Maybe, yeah. maybe seven even.
1: Okay. You know, I, this is something that, oh my gosh, I, I think sleep it is such a nuanced subject. And also it's, it's like talking about car seats, like it just triggers people like crazy. Yeah. Um, but so what's interesting is I, I think it's 100% normal for babies and children to sleep with their parents. Like that's what is done everywhere all over the world. And if you think about it, we as adults are sleeping with someone, we're not sleeping alone. So why are we expecting our kids to have to sleep alone in a room? Um, Yeah. Now that being said, I'm actually, I am on the other side of that, Corey. So I did co-sleep with all three of my kids as well, but I only co-slept until about like six to eight months and then there came a point where I personally, I couldn't do it anymore. Um, it was too hard for me. And I couldn't sleep. It was really uncomfortable. And so that's when I began trying to transition them. Um, my first, and and it's, you know, as a first-time mom, you also, like, don't know anything. And so with my first, I, we had, like, a sleep consultant, and she was, like, a gentle, you know, parenting sleep consultant. And, you know, we, like, we stayed. I, I want to say it was around six months. So we would stay in the room with him until he fell asleep kind of thing. But then, you know, we would leave. And eventually he learned. He slept in, in in his crib. And, like, he's really, ever since then, he slept in his own bed. Um, my second was absolutely horrendous with sleep. I'm not even gonna talk about that. Um but I they shared a room starting at about eight months, nine months, no, sorry, nine months. I wanna say nine months, between nine and eleven months, we began the transition of my daughter sharing a room with her brother. And that was really hard, but it actually ended up working out and to this day they still share a room and you know, like I said, they sleep together and they love it. And I don't know if they'll ever not, you know, like, it's like, Oh, when do I transition them out of sharing a room together? (laughs) They've been sharing a room since like he was two and a half or three and she was nine months, 11 months. Um, and then with my third, it was the same thing. Uh, co-slept until about six to eight months ish. And, he's been the best sleeper best. I don't, I don't even want to like say best worst. Like I, I, I just, I don't like labeling kids as good or bad sleepers, but, um, he has had the smoothest transition and he's the only one who sleeps by himself actually in a crib, in a room by himself. And he's had no issues with it. But with all of my kids, we have stayed in the room with them until they fall asleep. Usually around like two and a half or three is when that starts. There's a period where they will fall asleep on their own. And then they, there's like a a cognitive leap that happens at two, two and a half. And that's where they're more aware of their separation from you again. And so that's when we're back in the room again. And we usually stay, we're just like sitting on the floor or I don't know, you know, I I, I'm not even touching. Like sometimes sometimes, I'll, like, rub his back. Um, but most of the time, we're just sitting on the floor waiting for them to fall asleep, and then you can leave. And yeah, it's a really long question. So, that was pretty much how I transitioned from, yeah, co sleeping in the crib. Okay,
0: so let's move on to our next question. Um, this is a really interesting one. And there's a lot of nuance to it. So um, okay, so the question is since since your children eat a nourishing diet, do you notice them different than other children?
1: Christine? <laughs> I know. Oof. I actually really liked this question. Yeah. Because Oh, okay. So I want to preface by saying, I don't think that. When I'm answering this question, I'm not judging other parents at all and their choices. I think that every parent is doing exactly what is right for them in that moment with the knowledge that they have. And we really are all just trying to do our best. Yeah. However, that being said, I have been in situations both as an educator and now as a parent in which I have seen stark differences between a child that is consuming more conventional foods or that has a more conventional lifestyle versus a child that, um, is, let's say eating nutrient dense foods, um, maybe has a lot of outdoor play or like less screen time. Um, maybe, you know, just like, yes, I have seen the differences. Do I think all of that comes into play? I think some of it, I do think food has for sure a huge impact. Is it all everything? No, it's just a small piece. But I actually have, yes, I have seen differences in kids. Um, I don't know, Corey, what about you?
0: Yeah. I think what you said about this is like, there's no judgment. Um, is really important because there is so much weight on parents. Um, And, you know, it, I don't know. It's just, it can get really ugly. Um, All the, all the judgment and all of the pressure, especially on moms. Um, And, you know, a lot of people feel, I think feel like I, I, mean, I was talking to somebody the other day at, um, about the, um, chapter event that, that we were having and I was telling her about it and she's like, Oh, you know, I really, I really am interested in this kind of stuff, even though it, it may not seem like it from my kid's lunch or something. And I'm like, I, I, I really hope that you're not feeling that from me because like, you know, you're feeding your kid. Good job. Um, they have food. (laughs) Um, so anyway, um, yeah, I think it's so interesting because I also felt like when I started researching this stuff, there's so many people in the, in the, um, healthy living, um, community that will say things like, oh, my kid never gets sick or, um, you know, my kid is never has a tantrum or um you know my kid sleeps through the night because they eat really well and um stuff like that and I'm like I don't know if these people are lying or if they just have like honestly superhuman children but like whose kids never had a tantrum in their whole life is that even
1: possible yeah no, no, no. Like caveat, actually, if your kid is not throwing tantrums and releasing emotions, then yeah, you that's something to be concerned about. But like, like same thing with we being are sick. Human. Like yeah, same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we yes. Like you're sick. Your body we, is supposed to yeah. be flushing
0: things out, and sickness yeah. is one way of that of doing that.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: so yes, I do think my kids in general, um, don't get sick as often or if they, and they do get sick, but you know, like they, they get over it faster in general. Um, for a long time, my one kid who had all these gut issues was, um, was, would be the one that would get the sickest and stay the sickest. Um, and whether that's just her constitution or whether it's, um, you know, has something to do with her gut inflammation or um, issues, I don't know. Um, it's guesswork, you know. Um, I don't know. I do think my kids in general don't... are. I don't know. I don't know. That's a really difficult question because it's, it's my, you know, I can see from my perspective and I can't, I can't, I don't know what's happening in other people's houses.
1: Yeah. And you know what, actually, so if we're just talking about our own kids, so the question is, since our kids are eating a nourishing diet, do we notice anything different in them from other children? And I can tell you, I can see a difference from when my kids eat a nourishing diet to when they eat crappy foods. That's a much and better
0: way to, f- to look at this. Yes.
1: Yeah. Like I, in my own children and in my own family, that is a very stark difference. And, you know, I, after they have had too many desserts or, you know, just food that is not as nourishing for their bodies, it doesn't sit well with them. And, or there are way more emotional releases. There is the behavior is much more erratic, the ability to concentrate. I mean, yes, I can tell. And if I can tell in my own children, then, yeah, I wonder about other kids. Um, so, I, yeah, it's a, it's a good question. It's a tricky one.
0: Okay. Because so wait there are a minute. many
1: different layers to, it's not just the nourishing diet, it's environment. It's, I mean, there's yeah. so many layers to this sleep. question. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sleep, uh, environmental toxins. Uh, I mean, yeah, we go yeah. on.
0: Right. Exactly. And that's why I think like, there's a, like I said, there's a lot of judgment that comes from people in that can, there can be a lot of judgment that comes from people in this um, wellness space. And if you hear people saying that their lives are perfect because they eat well, just unfollow because they're lying.
1: <laughs> we're, no one is perfect. No one is
0: perfect. Nobody has their lives together perfectly. Just ugh. okay. Um, <laughs> I think actually this. We're. I'm. I'm going to skip um, to a question that I think actually works with this really well. And that question is, um, what do you mean by you feel like crap slash awful the next day after eating super unhealthy? And the reason I think this works, this flows really well is because, um, our kids can't necessarily express how they're feeling after they've eaten too much or eaten something that is messing with their stomachs. Um, And here's the strange part: is a most is is that most Americans I don't think are in tune enough with their bodies to know either. Like, I one hundred
1: percent, totally, yeah.
0: I don't. I I wasn't um, until oh yeah. I yeah until I so I did a whole thirty after my second baby was born. And, um, and doing the reintroduction, like going, f- I don't, I just didn't know, like I did not realize how good I could feel, you know, like what a body should feel like. Um, and then what a body feels like when you're, it's not thriving on what it's being given. And I think I, I I mean, I know that you guys have heard me say this before. I don't like, um, dieting, but I do think that as an American, it's very difficult to experience that sort of radical body shift without a, um, elimination diet. Short-term elimination diet, um, like a Whole 30, because it does so well illustrate um, or or make you kind of come to into grips with your own body. Um, Okay, so what? So how would you answer that question, Christine?
1: Yeah, I think that you're right. That most people don't are not in tune. And don't realize that the symptoms that they're having are not normal. They're common, but they're not normal. They're not supposed to be having these symptoms. So wait,
0: can you pause though and like give some um, examples of what those are? Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so super common symptoms that people believe are normal but are not are things like gas, bloating, acid reflux, constipation, diarrhea, eczema, um, dry scalp. Uh, What is that called when you have dry scalp? Uh, Psoriasis? No. Psoriasis is something different. That's actually an autoimmune condition. But um, dandruff, that's the word I'm looking for. (laughs) Um, Dandruff, zits. Uh, Trying to think. These are all things that even things like um, being overweight or We're feeling um, super
0: tired all the time.
1: Yes. Thank you. Yeah. I was like, what else am I thinking? Um, also though, be- like not deep, being able to sleep brain fog, right? Like all of these things that we are over medicating our society for. These are not normal guys. They're not normal. If we struggle with any of these, they are, signs from your body your body is trying to tell you something they're saying your body is saying no 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 something is not right and that's this is where you need to like get to the root cause but so I actually want to give my own personal example and I was like you Corey like I never when in when I was younger never correlated what I ate to how I felt um one really funny example is I used to eat boxes of Cheez-Its loved Cheez-Its but it would give me the worst gas and like, I never really figured out that it was the Cheez-Its that gave me really bad gas. Um, one day I, I was like, oh, actually, every time I eat a cheez It, I fart a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and I realized that, but I didn't stop eating Cheez-Its. But anyway, so now, you know, I've been on this clean eating journey, this ancestral food journey for, I don't know, five or six years. And now this, this past year in 2022, I have actually noticed a huge difference when I go out to eat at a restaurant and I don't go out to eat at restaurants that often, but when I do, and it's almost impossible, it, I would say it's like nearly impossible to find a restaurant that does not use industrial seed oils.
0: Unless you go to Bill Schindler's.
1: up. In- Unless you go to Bill Schindler's. I know it's just like, <laughs> yeah, it's not possible. But anyway, especially here in Dallas, um, there's like three restaurants. Anyway, I feel so bloated. I look like I'm four months pregnant after I've eaten at a restaurant. And is it the seed oils at the restaurant? I mean, it could be the seed oils. It could be the non-organic food. It could be, you know, I mean, it could be a whole host of things at the restaurant. But I'm fairly certain that one one of the instigators of that is the oils that the food is cooked in and I feel like crap Mm -hmm. and so for me that's motivation to number one really really be intentional about where I'm eating and like do I really want to eat out at a restaurant or can I just eat at home and just go and hang out with that person Um, and also try to do it Yeah. Obviously not do it as often because it just, I mean, yeah, I made that connection this year and was like, okay, this I know about my body and it doesn't work for me. Yeah. What about you, Corey? Have you had any aha moments like that? I mean, no, I'm
0: yes. I think over the years of, you know, going down this, this path of, um, changing our lifestyles i think that um like i i i know i said i did a whole 30 um nine years ago at this point and that was like the biggest aha moment for me personally um and then since then there have been you know various ones here and there but um I think, yeah. I mean, seed oils are just terrible. They're terrible. They make me feel like poo, and <laughs> um, I yeah. I don't know. I think I really just wish that people could um, experience what it's like to feel good. Because I just think most people are going through life not knowing that they feel bad. Um, Yeah. And that bums me out, especially for kids. And which is why I think this question, like, looped in with that other one. Because kids feel like crap. They've never felt good. um, And they don't know it. And that's, that's like, not fair. (laughs) It's not fair to to them um and yeah I think that's one of the I mean that is one of the reasons that I do this right is because I think that everybody deserves to feel good and that's it
1: (laughs) no I, I mean I agree I really I agree with that I was gonna say something about the kids thing um yeah, just that we and it's not just kids, it's adults as well. But yeah, these foods that are less than nourishing, these and, and I mean I wish you could say me see me, but like these foods in quotation marks, you know, they're basically fake foods that we're talking about, all of these packaged foods. Um they really stress the system so that there are less resources left in your body for things like emotional regulation or um, sensory processing. And so when we're talking about or even kids, just learning. Yeah, yeah, completely. Um, being able to concentrate and pay attention. So if a child's body is working so hard to figure out what that packaged food is and digest it and break it down... And eliminate the toxin and if that child is already chronically constipated and can't eliminate the toxins from that food then that is just making it that much harder for that child to sit pay attention regulate their emotions when they're upset um it's just making it harder and so that's why we really are so we're such big proponents of feeding kids real whole nutrient dense foods. Right. It 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 serves them and it also serves us, it, all humans. <laughs> it serves us so much better when we're doing that.
0: You can also think of it like this, right? So um as an adult, you know when you have a stomach ache, right? Or let's say you have a mild headache, okay? So you're not it's not a migraine, you're not like in your bed, but you have a mild headache makes you a little cranky, right? And you're sitting in your meeting at work. You're trying to like, get your, get stuff done. You are not really able to pay attention, but you can, you can acknowledge within yourself that, ah, it's just because my stupid headache, you know, like I can, I can force my way through this. Like you can pep talk yourself a little bit. Now imagine your kid is in the same boat. They have a mild headache. Um, They have no way of acknowledging this mild headache. You know, they, they don't, it's probably just making them cranky. They don't recognize that their head is hurting and yet we're expecting them to sit there and learn multiplication facts, you know, and they can't because their head hurts and they can't figure it out. They can't get past that, but they can't say it. Because they don't recognize it. And maybe it's been like that. Maybe Okay, so let's change it to the constipation, right? Like, there are kids that have been constipated their entire lives. And that's normal for them. It's not a normal way for a human body to function, but it is normal for their bodies. And yet... That can be helped with food, especially if we get to, if we start early. Now, if you don't start early, if you haven't started early with your kids, if you're coming to this and you have, you know, an 11 year old and a nine year old, don't freak out. You can still get there. It's still possible, but it, it isn't as simple as when you have little kids.
1: Yeah. That's that's a really good question. I liked that one too. Um so I think that we are going to have to put a pause on this and answer the rest of them either in another episode or at another time. We have earmarked the ones that need to still be answered. And yeah. I don't know. This was, I, this was a lot of fun. I really enjoy getting questions from you guys and reflecting on them with Corey. And I hope that this information was helpful and inspiring and um, yeah. Is there anything else you want to want to say about that?
0: Um, I just want to say that I want to remind everybody, this is our last episode for the year. So we're closing out 2022. (laughs) Um, and we will be back in January and we have a lot of really cool things coming up. We're really excited about, um, some of the episodes coming up in the new year. And, um, as always, uh, you can send us, you know, episode requests and whatever, and we can continue. I think, I mean, like right now we have a document that we share between each other that of questions that are coming through. I think we should just continue to add to that. So if you guys yeah. send us questions um, you know via Instagram or um, the comments on on Apple, um, then we can just continue to add that and then we'll just do maybe another FAQ episode at some point in the future. Um, Good idea And
1: I, I actually I want to say thank you to everyone who's listening. This has been, so Corey and I have now done this officially for a year. And we are so incredibly grateful for all the people that take the time to listen to our episodes. This has been so much fun for us, a lot more fun than we thought it was going to be (laughs) and a little bit more work than we thought it was going to be. But that's okay, you know, Um, and it's just it's been so gratifying to be able to connect with our audience like this and bring more knowledge and information and just like community around this way of life. Cause we don't want anyone to feel like they're not al- like they're alone out there. You're not alone out there. Um, and it is possible to be a modern ancestral mama.
0: <laughs> Love it. I wish you guys could have seen that. She did like a little like shoulder <laughs> Bob yeah. thing. It was really cool.
1: <laughs> um, so yeah, this this is just our, our, like, thank you. Thank you and have a wonderful end of 2022. And um, please leave reviews. I know we ask <laughs> every time, but we're going to ask again. Do it. Yes, please. And thank you. We love them. I agree with what
0: Christine said. I'm very, very grateful for this. Um, and I thank you to Christine for coming on and doing this with me she responded to my text message i was like do you want to start a podcast <laughs> and i had no idea what i was getting myself I, I don't think i did either no, i said sorry. i was like i'll figure out all the tech stuff
1: and i was like okay done <laughs> <laughs> anyone who's been following me long enough knows that tech and I don't get along.
0: <laughs> well, anybody who's been following the podcast knows that maybe Corey doesn't really know what she's doing at all.
1: <laughs> it's okay. 2023 is going to be the year that I get a real podcast mic. I mean, I think you're doing
0: great with your husband's gig mic. I
1: know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yep, that's true, guys. I don't even have a real podcast mic. I just use... The one that my husband sings into.
0: <laughs> it works great,
1: all of his guitar solos, alone <laughs> in his office. <laughs> anyway, <okay. sighs> all this right, it. that's this it. This is the end of 2022. We're, <laughs> We're getting it out. A little slap happy, so
0: yes. Thank you, guys. Have a wonderful holiday. Until next year. Thanks for listening to Modern Ancestral Mamas. Check out the show notes for the resources. You can find Christine on Instagram at NourishTheLittles and online at NourishTheLittles.com. You can find Corey on Instagram at for Sake and online at ForNutrientsSake.com. Follow us on Instagram at Modern Ancestral Mamas.
1: The information contained in this show is for informational purposes only. It should not be intended as medical advice and should not replace your relationship with your healthcare practitioner.